Moses helps the people know that there's going to be someone like him, someone who's going to be proclaiming the truth boldly, someone who's going to speak on behalf of God. And we find, of course, that fulfillment perfectly in Jesus Christ. Jesus is the new Moses, but he's also more than that. He is God himself incarnate. And as Jesus is preaching in the synagogue, one of the things that got my attention was the response of the people. They're in awe and wonder at the way that he's speaking, speaking with authority, and not like making a bunch of references to other things, but doing so with also backing up his words with actions. By casting out demons, he's showing that the things that he are, he's saying are credible. So a certain way of life can speak towards the truth as well, in our actions and in our deeds. And we hear from St. Paul in our second reading. We hear about two different ways of life, those who are married and those who are unmarried. While most people do get married, the Lord does call some to have a life where they are not married. And St. Paul tells us that those who are unmarried can spend more time focused on the Lord. And this is a great gift, not one that's given to everyone, but to those who are able to receive it, they ought to receive it. Jesus can call people to an unmarried life for multiple reasons. One of them could be so that they can better proclaim the truth in love, so that they could share the gospel without having a family that may result in them being influenced in another direction. Now, that may sound confusing. What do I mean by that? Well, my thoughts go back to like World War II, when in Europe, the Nazis and the communists, they were growing in their numbers and they were suppressing religion. And they were doing all sorts of evil acts and deeds. And so the Catholic clergy, the priests that would speak up against these things, they would be threatened. They would even be imprisoned and put to death for daring to speak against those governments. There are some clergy uh, from other forms of Christianity who were married, and they feared, though, for the sake of the lives of their wife and children. And they feared if they spoke up that they might be put to death, and then who's going to take care of their families? Or they feared that if they spoke up, maybe those governments would go after their families. For example, I know that's true with the Russian Orthodox, that they were afraid of the communists. And so a lot of them remained silent, and even some of them, under the influence and the fear, were even preaching for it. Now, there, there were some, but a, a small number, who were willing to preach against these things, because there was so much fear of what might happen to their families. And so there's many reasons why God may call some to special service in an unmarried way. Uh, One of them, though, is so that they can continue to preach the truth and speak out against evils. There are still evils in the world today, and one of them is abortion. Now, why, why is abortion wrong? Why is it wrong to put an end to the life of someone in the womb, well, it's because it is someone. It is a human being. We know this by faith. God has revealed this in many passages in sacred scripture, and I have some of them listed in the bulletin if you care to look them up. 
But we also teach this from the very beginning. In the Catechism of the Catholic Church, which is a summary of our faith, it says that human life must be respected and protected absolutely from the moment of conception. From the first moment of his existence, a human being must be recognized as having the rights of a person, among which is the inviolable right of every human being to life. Since the first century, the Church has affirmed the moral evil of every procured abortion. This teaching is not, has not changed and remains unchangeable. Direct abortion, that is to say, abortion willed either as an ends or a means, is gravely contrary to the moral law. So we know this by revelation. We know this by the teaching of Christ throughout the centuries, the teaching of the church as we have it even today. But it's also to know this by reason. With our advances in medical sciences, we can have a glimpse of what it's like within the womb and see what's there. At 10 weeks old, the child already has their fingers and their toes. It's distinguishable. You can see that this really is a human being. Super tiny at 10 weeks old. If you took the feet together and you made a little footprint, it would be smaller than the tip of your thumb. But it's all there. And we know that if we go back even farther to the moment of conception, that's when there's a unique strand of DNA that this new human life is not the same as either one of the parents, but a unique individual, dependent upon the mother in a special way, but still a unique human being. And as such, we need to protect that life. In the state of Missouri, there are many laws that are pro-life, protecting both women and children from abortion. However, after the Dobbs decision, once the universal law of our nation um, that allowed for abortion was overturned, it went back to the state level. And some of you may be aware of this, there are some abortion advocates who are trying to overturn all of our pro-life laws in the state of Missouri. The way that they're trying to do this is by creating a constitutional amendment, creating a right to abortion. Where we are in the process is that they have these petitions. There were 17 of them that were written. Any one of them can overturn all of these laws. But they need to get 8% of the population of Missouri to sign the petition in order for it to be on the ballot in November 2024. And so, my hope is that they won't get enough signatures. If someone approaches you with a petition asking you to sign something, make sure you read it first. And if it's about this, about trying to get a vote on the election in November, just decline to sign. Don't put your name on it. If it's trying to push abortion, uh, it's better for it not to go any farther. And it's really important for us to pray, too. God can do miraculous things if we ask him to. It is my hope that it doesn't go any farther than it already has. But with the help of God's grace and with our prayers, maybe it can be stopped where it is and not go any farther. So let us pray, brothers and sisters, on behalf of the unborn. But let us also give thanks to God for the many gifts that he gives us, including the gift to some that is celibacy, an unmarried life, so that those who are called to it can live and preach the truth in a unique and special way as God chooses for them. So let us also pray for vocations, an increase in vocations to the priesthood 
in religious life as we prepare to meet our Lord Jesus Christ in the Most Holy Eucharist. I just wanted to add that there are some people who are suffering from abortion, whether having had one themselves or in some other way participated, and it's important for them to know that God still loves them and that he calls them back to himself. For those who are wounded by abortion, there is a special healing retreat offered uh, by the Archdiocese of St. Louis. It is on March 1st through the 3rd, uh, where there's a special team that's been trained to help those who have suffered from abortion, um, including a priest and a licensed counselor, uh, to help them go through the critical steps of healing through that. Uh, For those who are interested, it is the Holy Family Hope and Healing Retreat weekend, um, and they can contact the Archdiocese at hopehealingatarchstl.org, or they can call 314-778-0628 to sign up for this healing retreat. Thank you, and God bless.